0: The Gospel lesson this morning is Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus returned from the Jordan River, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and afterward Jesus was starving. The devil said to him, Since you're God's Son, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus replied, Written, people won't live only by bread. Next, the devil led him to a high place and showed him in a single instant all the kingdoms of the world. The devil said, I will give you this whole domain and the glory of all these kingdoms. It's been entrusted to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. Therefore, if you will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it's written you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil brought him into Jerusalem and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said to him, Since you are God's son, throw yourself down from here, for it's written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus answered, Jesus answered, it's been said, don't test the Lord your God. After finishing every temptation, the devil departed from him until the next opportunity. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thank you to God. God. We are in the season of Lent. Uh, Mardi Gras is over, and we are beginning the we are in the 40 days leading up from Ash Wednesday. To Jesus' death on the cross. The first Sunday in Lent always has a gospel reading telling the story of Jesus in the wilderness. And one of the reasons why this is always the first lesson is because this is where we get the idea of Lent from. It is a, we, Lent is 40 days long in part because Jesus was tempted for 40 days in the desert. And as Jesus fasted in the desert, we're called to fast during Lent. So if someone asks you, well, is Lent in the Bible? Well, strictly speaking, no. But the model for it is there. So it is something that the the church fathers added to the calendar because they felt like it was important for us to take time before we reflect on what Jesus did for us at the cross. That it was important for us to take some time to get our hearts and our minds right, and to take that season of preparation. In our scripture reading today, Jesus has just been baptized. Luke tells us he is full of the Holy Spirit, and he goes out into the wilderness to fast and pray. After 40 days, Satan shows up and begins tempting Jesus. Now one of the important things about this is to understand that being tempted is not a sin. Jesus was tempted. And sometimes we, we say, Oh gosh, I, you know, I'm such a horrible person because I, I, was, I was tempted to, to eat that extra slice of chocolate cake, or I I was tempted to, to gossip about your neighbour. If you didn't actually do it, that's the temptation's not the sin. The problem is when we carry the temptation out. Jesus is tempted. And Satan starts with the easy stuff. And in this translation, and and Byron, I I, I know you caught it because I, I know this translation says since you are God's son. Other translations say if you are God's son. I don't know Greek. I took Greek in seminary. I don't know it well enough to know what the issue is there. But Satan is is calling on Jesus to use his identity as God's son, to use his power as God's son. Satan says, hey, you've been fasting for 40 days. If you're hungry, why don't you turn these stones into bread? Easy enough. You ought to be able to handle that. Jesus says, you shall not live by bread alone. It's not about filling our bellies. Jesus didn't come to work wonders and fill people's bellies. And the crowd that got fed with the five thousand the crowd of five thousand that got fed bread and fish have a hard time with this concept. Because the next day they're chasing Jesus down for another free meal. Jesus didn't come to gratify himself. He didn't come to use his powers for his own sake. He didn't come to use his powers for material gain. And so he tells Satan, no, there are more, there are things that are more important than bread, like doing the will of God. So Satan next takes Jesus up on a high hill and shows him the glory of all the kingdoms of the world. And Satan makes an interesting claim there. He says, all of this is mine. And I'll give it to you if you just bow down and worship me. Now, I think that claim of Satan's is suspect in the first place. Because the last time I checked, God was Lord of all creation, not Satan. So I'm not really sure that Satan's telling the truth in the first place when he says those kingdoms are his to give away anyway. But Jesus isn't going to be fooled by that. Jesus tells him, worship God alone and serve him only. We've got one priority. All the glory, all the kingdoms in the world are worth nothing to us if we don't have God. Nothing else matters but God. The third temptation I find particularly interesting because Satan quotes scripture. He takes Jesus to the highest point on the temple. And y'all... um. When you go home, if you want to Google drawings of Herod's temple, it was a huge, amazing structure. hadn't been complete all that long. Actually, it wasn't fully complete when Jesus was alive. It would only be completed briefly, and the Romans would come in and destroy it in 60 AD. But there's a high point there that he takes Jesus to. A high point at which, the likes of which, if Jesus were if to, if an ordinary mere mortal threw themselves off of the temple, they'd be dead. Satan says, why don't you throw yourself off? Take, take a leap off of the, the top of the temple. God's not going to let anything happen to you. And he quotes scripture. And he quotes scripture accurately. Check your Bible footnotes. Satan actually quotes scripture accurately, but he twists the meaning of it. The words are correct, but those scriptures weren't to be used for us to to put God to the test, to, to, to come up with all kinds of fancy tests for God. Well, God, I'm going to do this, and if you keep me safe, I'll know that you're real. No. It doesn't work that way. And Jesus is quick to quote scripture back at Satan, and to tell Satan, you shall, it is also written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So Satan leaves him. But notice that Satan doesn't leave him forever. He leaves him until the next opportunity. There is a big to be continued at the end of this passage. Because Satan's not going to give up on Jesus. Satan will continue to attack when he can. And Satan will appear to gain the victory at the cross. I say appear because we know the rest of the story. We know what Satan doesn't realize going into Good Friday. We know about the resurrection. Temptation is a fact of life. It's out there. It's rampant. Our society seems to be geared up to get us tempted into all sorts of stuff. you got to have the next new phone, the next new car, the bigger house, the better clothes. Temptations abound. But we're called to be better than that. We're called not to give in to our our basic temptations, but rather, we're called to follow Christ. And because we see him doing battle with Satan, and we see him overcoming, we know that we too can overcome if we're willing to follow Jesus' lead and put him first. Lent is a time when we wrestle with our demons. It is a time when we take a long, hard look in the mirror and see where we're at. And I encourage you to see where you are at now and to think about where you were last year at this time. Is your relationship with the Lord closer or more distant? Are you spending more time in prayer or less? Are you spending more time reading scripture, or has that fallen by the wayside as you've gotten busy? I'm not judging you. I'm I'm, I'm wanting you to think about where you're at and what you want to do about it. What's God calling you to do about it? Let's say you take that long, hard look in the mirror and the news isn't good. You started praying last year during Lent, but... Life got so busy, you, you, you hardly managed to stumble, to, to, to manage a, a thank you God for the day before you fall asleep in, in bed at night. Or maybe you started off reading scripture. Maybe it was your New Year's resolution, but by the end of January, that Bible was buried under three other books. And you hadn't touched it. Now is a really good time To pick those things back up. I will tell y'all, I I had in mind a thing to give up. I kind of did the Pope Francis thing. I I had a thing I was going to give up for Lent. I had a thing I was going to take on for Lent. By last night, I had blown both. And I started to throw in the towel on the whole project. And I thought to myself, what would I say if one of my people came to me, if, if one of my parishioners came to me and said, Lisa, I'm trying to do this Lenten fast thing, but I'm having a hard time with it. I, you know, I've, I, we're three days in and I'm already struggling. I've already blown it. What do I do? Would I really tell them, oh, give it up, forget it. You know, you, you're done. <laughs> no. <laughs> so last night, I made myself sit down and I journaled for a little bit. That was the thing I wanted to take on. And I thought, and I recommitted myself. I said, okay, fine. Lent starts today. <laughs> we're just going to pretend today is the first day of Lent, and we're going to take it. We're going to leave the rest of it with God. We're going to take it, we're going to go forward. And that's what I encourage you to do. It's not too late. If you, if you are feeling led to either give something up or to take something on for Lent, but you say, well, I missed Ash Wednesday. Yeah, we're, we're four days into the season of Lent. It's just too late. No, it's not too late. Start now. Because every little bit that we do to either give up something that is getting in the way of our relationship with God or to take on something that will draw us nearer to God, any little step we take with that is a step toward God. And God will honor that. God appreciates that. God just wants a relationship with us, y'all. So it's not about having to be perfect. It's about trying to move toward Christ. And a really neat thing happens when we move toward Christ. We start moving towards our brothers and our sisters as well. And relationships get better. And we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And life gets a little easier. One of my favorite... Of the the Abbas, the the Desert Fathers, is a man named Dorotheus of Gaza. And Dorotheus of Gaza, y'all who were at the retreat heard me talk about this, he envisioned the Christian life as being like a wheel with spokes. Think about a bicycle tire with spokes in it. In the center is God. We are all along those spokes on the wheel. The closer we move to God, the closer we get to each other. The further we move from God, the further away we get from each other, the more conflict we have with one another. So any move we make toward God, any step we take to, to fight the temptation, to serve ourselves, to fight the temptation, not to follow God, to fight the temptation, to, to, to do it our own way, Any step we take toward that draws us closer to God and draws us closer to others. So I invite you in this season of Lent to give up something that is hindering your relationship with God and to take on something that will draw you nearer to God. And to do that... Following, the, temptation, following the, the example of Jesus, who fasted and prayed for 40 days in the wilderness before he began his ministry. Before Jesus does anything else, he fasts and prays. May we do likewise, take this time to fast from the things that, that bind us and to take on the things that draw us near to God, that we too might draw closer to Christ and his light might shine through us. Amen.